Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Yeah, I think what's unique this year, obviously, uh, compared to previous years, is you had the extra week. I think you're going to see a lot more roster turnover than probably in previous years because there's going to be a lot of players that have been claimed or will be claimed uh, that are almost going to be on short-term tryouts with a lot of teams. So there's going to be a lot of roster turnover these next two weeks. In terms of stressing that this is short-term, look, it's our job and responsibility to inform all the players all the time of, look, this is a production business. This is a day-to-day business for all of us, coaches and players. So we've got to make sure we show up and we operate every day and we execute efficiently. You know, the players have to understand that, you know, they have to come in and perform every day. As coaches, we have to perform as well. Well, there's Joe Judge on cut-down day. The Giants have a 53-man roster. Dan, as Judge would say, they are now in compliance with the league rules, right? So that's good. That's the good news. We're, we're down to 53. Uh, I think the bad news, Dan, and and let's start here, is that the team is obviously scrambling to bring in offensive line help here in the 11th hour, and uh, that's a little scary. Uh, They've swung two trades for interior linemen. Uh, You know, I personally never heard of these guys. Billy Price of the Bengals, Ben Bredesen, who was likely going to get cut by the Ravens, but the Giants swooped in to get him first. So let's start there. Your thoughts on the team basically waiting until September 1st to start addressing the O-line. A little scary. It's it's amazing that this is where we are, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know how many times people have heard me say it. I'm sure you can attest to it, that this has been a topic of conversation dating back to last year. And the fact that the Giants are now 10 days away, whatever it is, eight days away from the uh, opening game against the Denver Broncos, and they're shuffling pretty much the entirety of their depth along the offensive line with a starter who you know, has a partially torn Pekeller tendon at some point or another is going to be out for the season. And I I hate to say that, knock on wood, that that doesn't happen, but it seems sort of foolish to trot Lemieux out there with, you know, a partially torn Pekeller tendon and just hope that he makes it the season. So here we are in the exact same situation that they were in a year ago and the same one that they've been in for the past decade. And with so much on the line, you can already sense that jobs are going to be cost. Yeah, no doubt. And the Giants are, um, they've been very active, as Judge was saying in that clip, here, right on deadline day, swinging trades. This Billy Price from the Bengals was um, a former first-round pick in 2018. So I guess that's good. He could play center or guard. But again, he's from the Bengals, Dan. I mean, I wouldn't call the Bengals a hotbed for offensive line talent. I think they're, I mean, poor Joe Burrow over there is, in, you know, he's in a similar situation as Daniel Jones is with the Giants. So you have to wonder how much help they're getting by swinging those two deals. What can they bring in two weeks before the season? And also, it doesn't solve Andrew Thomas's problems at left tackle, which woof against the Patriots that was ugly on Sunday so not a good like last vision of the Giants ending that preseason now going into the regular season that we saw on Sunday night was it no and and I gotta be honest and and I know that some fans aren't necessarily gonna like to hear this but I I went from extremely optimistic entering this offseason to now you know like I said just a week away from the season opener and that, that optimism has waned considerably Primarily, you know, again, because of the offensive line, everybody knew what was riding on this. 
Uh, the Giants themselves acknowledged it, and yet here we are. And, and I think the irony of the, you know bringing in uh, Bredesen is the fact that he became expendable only because the Ravens are able to sign Kevin Zietler, whom the Giants released for salary cap That's reasons. Great point, yes. Which is just ridiculous when you think about it, because here we are, and you know the Giants are in desperate need of interior, you know, offensive linemen, uh, particularly veterans who are capable of stepping in and playing. Uh, one that knew their system would have been. Um, even better, but you know they they went in a different direction, and then now they're you know going to have to rely on depth created by guys who you know lost out at not just his starting jobs but reserve jobs and and including former giants and that's kind of embarrassing if we're being honest it's not to say that it might not work out it's just to say it's a little scary here going into the season it's just scary that we're in this position the giants did not cut any of their six 2021 draft picks but they also didn't draft any offensive linemen uh there's only one guy who's not technically on the initial 53 and that's Aaron robinson the third round corner who's on the pup list but they didn't draft any offensive linemen now. And, Dan, I, I remember back that draft day episode we did where we were kind of taking our victory laps because we predicted the Giants were going to take a wide receiver. So we were taking our victory laps, but we weren't saying it was the right thing to do. We were just saying that we predicted it correctly based on what Gettleman was saying in his press conferences, right? So, so that's where we're at with the team. But let's get into your thoughts on the initial 53. Now, a couple of receivers were cut that I think became kind of training camp darlings, fan favorites, guys like David Sills, uh, a player we talked about last week, Matt Cole, the Swiss Army Knife, who was playing offense and defense. These guys both get released. And, uh, you know, this, this kind of reminds you, cut down day, for me, I'm always kind of pumped up about it. Gives us an easy topic to talk about, easy to research, fun to look at the roster. But then you forget about these guys that, you know, easily could have made the team, were on the bubble, didn't make it. And then you kind of feel for those guys. And I know the fans probably aren't super happy, that guys like Sills and Cole got cut because they were kind of, you know, they had a good camp and they were kind of fan favorites. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Cole certainly earned a lot of respect, not just from the fans, but his coaches and teammates for what he was able to do this preseason, being thrust into roles he's never played before and actually playing relatively well. I would imagine he's a candidate to come back on the practice squad. I don't think he's a guy that Joe Judge is really you know, keen on, on potentially losing. Obviously, they, they put him at risk. And, you know, there are 31 other teams that watch what he did this preseason are probably thinking the same thing. Um, and when it comes to Sills, obviously, that's the biggest name for most because not just what he did in the offseason with Daniel Jones, but how well he played throughout training camp and, um, and of course, the preseason. But he's not well-versed on special teams. He doesn't contribute enough on special teams to have warranted that position on Joe Judge's squad. And that's just, that's just the reality of it. But, again, I think he's potentially a practice squad candidate he's not someone i would completely write off there's an opportunity for him to come back at, at some point or another um but yeah i think i think ultimately it really boiled down to the fact that he just didn't contribute enough on special teams and that that ultimately is what led to him being cut this is just an ongoing topic on our pod every week but uh cory clement gets cut so that has to pave the way for eli penny to play more running back right the giants have two fullbacks on their roster which is just unheard of nowadays so they have two fullbacks on the roster so maybe more eli penny that's that's oh, what we yeah. got to hope for, Dan. I, I think we're going to see a whole lot more Eli Penny. There's no more of this this six snaps per game nonsense. We're going we're gonna to see him actually play. I think uh, I think Gary Braywell, you know, he really came on strong at the end of the preseason and and demonstrated that he's you know he's actually a quality runner. Uh, when he was initially drafted, the big thing was that he's you know he's a great special teams player. He loves playing on special teams. You know, he found his way to judge's heart um, with all that. But then he really came on strong, played really well, was actually impressive, and I think. 
he was going to make the team either way, but I think the Giants then were confident enough in him to let go of some other, you know, running backs and put Eli Penny in that position because they were capable of relying on Brightwell somewhere down the line should his number be called. But I think it really benefits Penny probably more than anyone else because not only will he play fullback, uh, he's obviously going to take some, you know, handoffs this year and and catch some passes out of the backfield, which he also demonstrated throughout the preseason. So, you know, maybe the Giants have a little bit of a weapon there, which, you know, someone on the Giants were podcast i don't remember his name has been saying for kind of a while um so i'm excited to see what he can bring to the table yeah he, he hasn't been quiet about that take you know that take has been out there for a while you know another another guy i want to talk about a little bit this week is uh daniel jones i think we probably had unfair expectations for him here in his first preseason stint here or our first preseason look at him i should say I expected Daniel Jones to come out here and just light it up because he's in his third year and it's it's time, right? And, you know, there was it was kind of more of the same, some good, some bad. One really nice touchdown pass when uh, Jason Garrett actually let him throw it down the field, Dan. Um, but also a hideous interception, hideous. And I think that interception kind of – he was under pressure a lot and he was getting his – he was getting knocked down a lot. The Patriots were all over him. Uh, again, the offensive line not helping out. Andrew Thomas on the left side not helping out. What was your take on Jones's preseason debut? Unfortunately, more of the same, right? Some good, some bad. He probably ends up somewhere in the middle when you're kind of evaluating his performance. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. And I actually think that Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network, he sent out a tweet during the game. And, um, you know, I can't remember it verbatim, but he said something along the lines of Daniel Jones might be the best quarterback of this generation. But with this talent around him and all the injuries, we're just never going to know. And, you know, whether or not that's true, you know, is up for debate, obviously. But the reality is, is no matter how good Jones is, you're not going to be able to find out this way. It's just more of the same. It's like a broken record. It's like beating a dead horse. It's, it's just constant repetitiveness of issues with the offensive line. He's constantly under pressure, taking not just hits, but pretty big hits at, at several points. Um, you know, obviously, his skill position players are injured. No one's really picking up slack around him. His offensive coordinator is calling five-yard curls every single play. The one, And again, you mentioned it. The one play, they let him go down the field. It's where Daniel Jones is at his strongest. We've talked about this going back to last year on this podcast. The, the analytical data, uh, data, the next-gen data, it all backs it up. And why the Giants aren't adjusting for that. And maybe it's just because they don't believe they can give him enough protection. Bingo. And, that's it. and that's that's, definitely it. I mean, if that's the problem, it's, it's amazing that we're still sitting here making trades for guys that are about to be cut to, to come in and, and, and what we were supposed to believe that that's going to magically fix it. It's not, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. That is like, that's the worry right now. That's where we're and at. Then when you, and then when you look at the interception, yeah, it's, it's once again, Daniel Jones trying to force something to Evan Ingram. What a surprise. Where have we heard that before <laughs> seriously talk about a broken and whether, record and that's exactly what i mean i, I was i was joking around we were joking around the staff members of giants wire this week that it's gotten to the point where we could just copy and paste articles from a year ago two years ago just change some names times dates and it's all the same thing and um it really is and then when you look at that interception i know a lot of people want to focus on it, it wasn't it wasn't a good throw um but again it was a communication issue whether you want to blame it on jones or angram is irrelevant angram didn't sit jones made a bad throw the, the ball was intercepted in the end zone and it was preceded by horrible play calling by jason garrett and and then pressure given up by the offensive line so point point the blame anywhere you want to it doesn't matter the issue is that it's all the same thing all the time yeah i mean i, I don't i don't want to watch another season of you know what we saw last year jason garrett being scared of his offensive line and calling a vanilla gameplay like that's that's not what we 
We're not we're not here for that this year. Would love for it to be a little bit different this season, uh, but you know that remains to be seen. But real quick before we move on, Dan. Strahan's number 92 to be retired by the team. That just broke right as we started recording, so that's in real time. Your gut reaction to that? I think that's a good thing. Michael Strahan yeah, is a legend. Absolutely. He's he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. He's one of the greatest defensive ends to ever play in Giants history, arguably one of the best of all time, period. Um, I think it's fitting that it'll be retired against the Eagles. Hopefully John Runyon will be there and take another L, um, just as he done for most of his career going up against Strahan. But yeah, it's very it's very deserving. Strahan, one of the greatest players, one of the greatest people in Giants history. Um, it was a long climb up from him, not just in the NFL, but in life. Um, so it's inspiring, and, and again, I, I'll say it till the end of time. It was, it's very deserving, and um, I'm happy for Strahan. He, you know, it, it's going to be great to see his number 92 up in the rafters. Coming up next, our fantasy football question of the week. Thanks for sticking with us. All right, Dan, a guy that you've been tweeting about, talking about, is Sterling Shepard, and in fantasy football drafts, he's a guy that is being uh, disrespected. I, I guess you could say. I mean, he's just not a guy that's getting drafted until late like around 180 overall you could get sterling Shepard. i mean wide receivers super deep in fantasy this year that there's no secret there but these giants receivers that are not named kenny galladay are kind of getting pushed down it's probably because of galladay's arrival probably because of Kadarius tony as well but uh sterling Shepard is a guy that i know you're high on he had a really good preseason looked good against the patriots there on sunday night made some plays and uh he's wearing number three which means he's going to stand out. You're not going to miss him out there. You're, you're, going to, you're definitely going to notice a receiver wearing a single-digit number, and that means you have to produce, Dan. You can't wear a single-digit number and suck. That's my theory going into this year. So you are very high on Sterling Shepard, which is making me pay attention to him a little bit in fantasy drafts. You think he could potentially lead the Giants in receptions, right? So tell me about this player and why he should not be overlooked in fantasy drafts. Well, I, when you actually told me that, and I'll admit to that before uh, before the show, you told me where he's being drafted, and I I swore that you had a slip of the tongue and you were talking about someone else. I'm surprised to hear that. I really am, and it's not necessarily just because of you know what he's done this summer, but his body of work as a whole. Yes, he's had some concussion issues throughout his career, but when you actually sit down and watch the tape of Sterling Shepard, he's one of the most crisp route runner runners in the entire game. Uh, it's really, it's actually extremely impressive when you watch him. And I think you saw it against the Patriots. There were several routes there that were just remarkable. And it's, and it's one of those things where there's really nothing you could do as a defensive back, no matter how good you are, if you get caught up in, in, in one of those routes. And then with some of those moves with that great footwork, there's really nothing you can do. And I think he is primed. I, I genuinely believe he's primed for a great season, uh, provided the Giants, you know, call the right plays for him, uh, which, you know, that, that's that's another topic. But, you know, if he, as long as he stays healthy, there's no reason for me to believe that he's not capable of leading this team in receptions. He's going to play a lot more in the slot. Obviously, that's going to be dependent on whether or not Tony can return and play well. But the bottom line is, is that Shepard is going to play a lot more inside, which is where he you know, where he's at his best. And, and I think that with the combination of that route running and playing inside and sort of being an outlet for Daniel Jones, especially if, if having an Ingram who has a calf issue is out for any extended period of time, 
Uh, I think Shepard is going to be targeted a significant amount. And whether or not that you're in a league that counts points per reception or just, you know, the statistics as a whole, um, I definitely think Shepard would produce for you. And getting them that late in any fantasy draft is, is, is a potential steal. Um, so if you're down that far in the draft, 150 or below, and you see Shepard's name there, I would advise you to jump immediately because he's going to be exceptionally productive. I, he, he may not put up, you know, a thousand yards and he may not get the same number of touchdowns that a Galladay is going to get, but he's going to get plenty of receptions. And when you get that number of receptions, who knows what can happen? You know, we've seen it with other superstar wide receivers in the past and even not so superstar wide receivers. So when you're going to be targeted and get that number of receptions, who knows what can happen? So it's it's definitely a worthy gamble. Yeah, for for me in drafts, I'm I'm happy to wait on receivers early. I'd rather go after running backs early, maybe get one of those stud tight ends early, and then start plucking wide receivers throughout the draft because it's so deep. Yeah. And if I can get a guy like Shepard who could catch 70 balls that late, that's the kind of guy I'm going to be targeting in, in my yeah. drafts. And and I think and, he's a, he's put him on the sleeper list for sure. Right. And, and not to be overlooked, the Giants run a lot of reverses to Shepard. They do. So he's going to pick up yards that way and potentially scores that way as well. Those are sort of the, the hidden uh, hidden numbers, the hidden points in fantasy that, that are going to be a little bit overlooked that are just going to add to his value overall. We do have fantasy football segments and sports betting segments that drop into our podcast during the season. Those return next week. So looking forward to that from our friends across the USA Today network but I'm still going to send you my sports betting question of the week as we wait for those segments Dan and here it is it is the uh, off the Tipico Sportsbook app I'm looking at the early betting line for the Giants at home against the Broncos in the opener never too early to look at it let's let's just take an early look at this one Giants getting two and a half points at home against the Broncos in that 425 kickoff week one so the Giants are two and a half point underdogs your early thoughts as we stand right now on that line. I'm not surprised, and I would imagine that line is going to get worse for them the closer we get to it. Um, you know, there's going to be some additional players going on injured reserve. That's just the nature of it, unfortunately. There's a possibility that Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, even Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson don't play in that game. Um, the Broncos now have Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, which he doesn't have the big arm, obviously, but he is – he, he reminds me of Alex Smith in a way that he's not going to make very many bad throws or very many bad mistakes. Um, he's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to beat himself. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that the Giants are, are the underdogs. I wouldn't be surprised if that number gets worse. And then you factor in the Broncos' stellar defense, their good pass rush against this offensive line, and it could get out of hand. Then the line could get a hand right along with it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm on the Broncos side of this. And, and the Broncos defense is going to be nasty. Uh, and, and that's why this reminds me a little bit of last year's opener against Pittsburgh, where the Giants were going up against that that nasty defense. And you knew Jones is going to be under fire. And I, I just think the Broncos are this are, are underrated defense. They're loaded at corner. Von Miller's back healthy. They had a million injuries on defense last year. They're healthy now. And uh, I think the Broncos are a scary you know, opponent to start with. It's a sneaky, tough opponent, Dan. And I think if you're going to give me two and a half, I'm taking the Broncos to win by a field goal or more. So right now I'm on the Broncos side of this. I'm with you. Uh, interesting note, though, on Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I do a, a podcast with uh, John Heath over at the Broncos Wire. And uh, don't tell them, don't tell Broncos fans, Dan, that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have a big arm because I did a rant about Teddy Bridgewater's uh, shoddy <laughs> arm. And I, I made the mistake of comparing him to uh, our friend Chad Pennington, 
over a, from, okay. you know, from the New York Jets. I don't know if I'd go that yeah, far. But. I probably, yeah, so I took it. I took it to a little bit of an extreme. You know, I'll do that sometimes, right? Just to just to have some fun with the fans. Probably, I think Alex Smith, like you said, probably a better comparison. I should have went with Alex Smith, but no, I went with Chad Pennington, which really riled up some of the fans, and they gave me a lot of crap on Twitter, which was really fun, saying that I didn't know what I was talking about because Bridgewater has a better arm than uh, than Pennington. But Dan, I mean, you have a better arm than Pennington. Let's be honest. I, I, obviously, Bridgewater does, but I was just taking it to the extreme. But Broncos fans yeah, I, already up in arms about anything right. negative about Bridgewater's arm. And, but come on. Let's be I love Bridgewater's. I love Bridgewater's story. I love his comeback. I like the kid. I'm I'm rooting for him. But I think I think people need to keep those sort of criticisms in context. Like when we say he doesn't have a big arm, it's it's in comparison to the quarterback he beat, who has a monstrous big arm. So right. you know, exactly. I don't I, exactly. It's not. I don't. I don't necessarily view it as an insult. Maybe you know. Maybe they they look at it a different way. But comparatively, you know, when you're comparing the strength of the arms, there really is no. Comparison. Comparison there, so you know, they, they, if they want to pretend that Bridgewater has this monstrous arm, then so be it. Well, but okay, well, how, how strong can your arm be if you're wearing two gloves? That's that's the first point. <laughs> but no, I mean, I thought it was a compliment. Chad Pennington, the Patriots couldn't beat Chad Pennington. So I mean, as a Patriots fan, you know how upset I would be that we couldn't beat <laughs> Pennington when he's dinking and dunking and throwing these flutter balls all over the place. We couldn't stop him. No, I, it was a compliment, and, and this is what they're doing. But I, I, maybe I took it to an extreme. But be careful what you say about Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos fans will be out to get you, Dan. Uh, but there'll be plenty more to talk about. Giants, Broncos, uh, an interesting little matchup. Should be a pretty close game. I think the Giants are on the uh, on a tough side of that right now, though. Uh, like you said, we got to see who's healthy. We got to see how this offensive line comes together. Just a lot of question marks going into the opener. Too many question marks. A lot more than I wanted going into the start of the season. But that's where we're at. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any other way to put it than that. The Giants, um, they didn't position themselves well. They didn't handle the offensive line well. You know, like I said earlier, it's just, it's become a broken record. I mean, could they magically turn things around in, in a week and a half? <laughs> You know, Giants fans, you better you better pray because I think that's that's probably your only hope at this point. And it's a shame that we find ourselves in this position, or the Giants find themselves in this position, because if they don't find a way to improve, um, you know, jobs are going to be lost. Dave Gettleman's running out of time. Daniel Jones is running out of time. Whether and whether that's fair to Jones or not, or even Gettleman or not. Um, it doesn't really matter. They've gone through multiple GMs. They've gone through multiple coaches. They've gone through multiple, uh, you know, offensive line coaches. They've gone through multiple players along the offensive line. They've invested tons of picks, and it's all the same all the time. And I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you why it's happened in this way. I know some fans want to blame it on Gettleman. Some want to blame it on Reese before him. But you know, Reese had his input. Gettleman had his input. Sherman, McAdoo, Judge. They've all had their input, and the Giants are right there in the same exact spot yet again. There's Dan Benton for the Giants. Wire. Always bringing the knowledge, Dan. Always appreciate it. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back. We'll have more Giants takes next week. We'll share them with you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.